Hello, and welcome to episode 17 of The Dive. Welcome back, Kobe. Thank you. Hope you had a fun time off. We have he, a he lot always does that of on the time. Number. He really likes the numbers. Episode 17. It's like the count or whatever from yeah. Sesame Street. 17 <laughs> episodes. 17. 17. After that. Speaking of unexpected things, Liquid now has new players. We're going to talk about that. Yes. Uh, we're also going to talk about some more numbers. Patch 7.15. Oh, that's baby. Good. It's no longer synced with the episode number. And my boy uh, Ergot as well. Yeah, I'll talk a little bit about LCS as we. We are winding down the regular season. Okay, so last night, we're filming this Wednesday morning, uh, Dardock to TL. My first response was, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. What is happening? Why would Dardock go, of all teams? Well, my first response- We know why, but there's- My first response was to go look at the current roster and like count how many players they have, because they've just picked up a ridiculous amount of players now. They have- what, like three? They have Inori, Rainover, three junglers, yeah. Dardock, and Slushy, Golden Glue, and They, they and took Nikki. their 10-man roster. They're Still like, just 180 carry, though. We're committed to 10-man roster and making this. And they're like, you know what? Nah, 13, 14, 15. That's better, probably. <laughs> it's getting autofill, man. You get in the key. You got three mid laners. What are you supposed to do? Uh, <laughs> I mean, for people, you, you say we know why they're doing it. Some people may not actually realize, right? So yeah, we should, to, we should to, break to down exactly it. what happened. So Team Liquid picks up Mickey uh, from the LCK. He's a mid laner. We are then assuming, okay, he's going to be the starting guy. They already have two people that are non-residents, so Rainover and Piglet. You can only have two on your roster. So yeah. with, well, with two the, starting at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So then with with Dardock getting picked up, you're assuming, all right, well, they're not going to start Rainover anymore. You're assuming that that means they want Dardock over Inori. They move him in. They move Mickey in. That's what we are assuming is going to be the starting lineup, right? So they had to make some sort of change to what their starting lineup would be if they want to bring in Mickey. But yeah. the whole thing seems a bit crazy, especially when they are finally, it's like, ah, Liquid had a great weekend. They did it. Golden Glue's the best. All right, you're yeah. out there. <laughs> uh, to, to be fair to them, uh, I don't know if they were, like, expecting to have, course, you yeah. know, things to go right or whatever. And clearly, with this much switcheroo, uh, they've been mm-hmm. working on these deals for a long yeah. time. I don't agree just with get Switcheroo. Mickey in a week yeah who's a rocks tigers mid laner let's like, break them down one by one though because mickey's okay. a, let's start with mickey because that was the first one right mickey in the mid lane obviously they've been having mid lane issues um you know golden glue yeah. and, and trying to switch to all so those things. in isolation i like mickey to tl because i think he would be an upgrade over golden glue and slushy he was super inconsistent in the lck but People were kind of referencing GBM as an example of import mid laners that don't work. But when GBM first came over, he was smashing. He just got complacent later on, and he got a lot worse while he was in the NALCS. Mickey's recently, and pretty recently, an LCK mid laner, so I think he should be good. The thing that I don't like is the fact that how many 80 carries are there? All tech just randomly got picked up by Team Dignitas during the regular season. Oh. Wild Turtle's been switching teams. The fact that they are subbing out Rainover instead of Piglet and it doesn't even seem to be on the table is what blows my mind. I still want to stay on one by one. Stay on Mickey here for, okay. for the first yeah. one because Let's talk about Mickey. Even to me, uh, Mickey versus Golden Glue, basically. I watched uh, or I read the release. There were so many different you know player mm-hmm. things out here. Some were videos, some were uh, uh, typed. But anyways, the Mickey one. The thing that also stood out to me in that one is in, you know, his little context that he's giving for for the move, why he even wanted to come over here. Um, you know, you know, he he dropped off very heavily at the end of his yep. LCK's career. And um, you know, he was he was actually getting flamed quite a lot by the fan base and and not performing that well. And he talks about in his thing, uh, um, he lost so much of his confidence and he wants part of, you know, him coming here to North America is he's like, I want to show people again. Uh, you know, that I can be this aggressive mid laner and I can I can make this style work. And he talks about trying to rebuild his confidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like that might backfire for you over here. because On Team Liquid? On Team Liquid. Uh, yeah, exactly. Rebuild your confidence and be ninth. So I'm eight. actually super scared for this uh, move. And I... I feel like they might even backtrack on it. Uh, and th- yeah. it's good that they're keeping this very big roster because uh, I am very skeptical as to even little this first part of the move is going to actually work out for them. Yeah, I mean, uh, I-, I can't remember the exact quote, but essentially in in the TL release saying they picked up Mickey, there was kind of like some also, almost like felt like passive-aggressive comment towards Golden Glue, like, ah, now we want to see what we can do with a strong mid laner or something Ooh, along those lines. And uh, I'm just like, that's so awkward, especially when, yeah, Mickey... It's not like they just picked up like BDD or like or Crown yeah. or something like that. Like Mickey, 
has had not been performing at the highest levels in the LCK. Mm-hmm. Like statistically, he was one of the lowest, uh, you know, kind of performing mid laners in the league. He was on an okay team. Yes, he could do well, and and we did see GBM, like you said, you know, perform very well mm-hmm. until he kind of and lost GBM his was better than Mickey when he came over. But Mickey has had some very high highs, and I mean, most people, if you are not a like a, a follower of the LCK, you know about Mickey because he beat Faker and he trash talked him. That's like probably why you <laughs> know, right? And and the guy has like has a big personality. He obviously is very skilled individually like you know it has has a high skill cap that's kind of to me though this this feels like this does not feel like a long-term thing maybe tl seems like uh feels like it is but i see this as last split doublish coming into tl at the end of the season it's like let's make sure we don't get relegated let's just like see what we could do and and it feels very thrown together yeah it definitely does and another thing that came to my mind when you know all these teams are picking up all these extra um players and they basically are just that kind of extra players yeah. right mm-hmm. um to hold i guess is that moving uh towards franchising there is this other thing to keep in mind where the the teams that do make it in are going to have to also have, have academy teams an extra academy team yeah. so it's kind of like grab all the players you can now the best ones they'll try and keep over on, you know, the main team, mm-hmm. and then all the rest of them, I guess you can call them, will be the academy team, maybe. Yeah, I, will Dardock be on the Team Liquid academy team? Because this is there are so many ridiculous layers to Dardock going back to Team Liquid, especially with how much trash talk this guy does. Mm-hmm. The Do you have the quotes? Clip, <laughs> I, I know Isaac was listening to it earlier, but he basically said on stream three weeks ago Liquid that he has... is garbage, and I don't have any respect for their them as an organization, players, or team. That's a direct quote. We're not even <laughs> exaggerating on that. <laughs> and, I mean, if they're going to play Mickey, they don't have another AD carry, they're playing Dardock or Nori. So unless yep. this is a spite play just to, like, take him away from COD because they don't like him... He's going to be starting for the the seventh place four and, and ten team in the NALCS. And I don't think this is a, like taking him away from CLG. CLG doesn't want him. Like CLG they burned are, him on the way out. Yeah, like in this, yeah. uh, some of the quotes and stuff I think from their release are, are pretty crazy to me. It's like uh, we brought in Omar God as part of a six man roster in order to show Dardock what a group of five people invested in teamwork can accomplish. Like, and not, not only that, they repeated like. Three times that he did not, you know, fit into the culture, did not fit into yeah. the attitude. They they literally like restated the same line, yeah. like in a couple paragraphs. The quote from Zix: "Unfortunately, could not align with the team's culture. I believe he is still a strong mechanical player and will be able to find a player." I mean, this this team. to me is like it's harder to state any more clearly that he was he was toxic, basically, right? Like didn't fit with the team, couldn't get along with the players. They bring someone else in, they feel like it's going to work better with Omar God. I don't think that CLG wants to make a move like this. You know, they're having a very strong season. Their their like self-stated goal for this year is win everything, right? They're looking to worlds. They're looking to win NALCS. And you know, making a, a swap like that does not feel good. And that's like why when we were talking about the the Omar God substitutions and stuff last week on the dive, I didn't think that it was just like a, a rotating sub thing. I assumed that there's problems going on, and and this obviously kind of confirms that. But it is crazy, and it's and it's also kind of crazy to me. Like it just almost reeks of desperation that Liquid is willing to take him back after didn't work with him, didn't work with Immortals, didn't work with CLG. Yeah. If CLG, if CLG didn't want him, then why not take another shot, right? If Liquid because, is, because he's a problematic if Liquid is player. the pay-to-win team, right? If you don't want him, <laughs> you just don't have him anymore. They need to get a refund like, Where then? are the guarantees in these league contracts, right? They yeah. just, then they just play Anori because they have another Western jungler just waiting there on the team. I agree, but it's it's time investment, and and he has shown, like, I mean, watch Breaking Point, right? Why not have him oh, on the team, yep. right? That's why. That wasn't very long ago. That because, was... Exactly. Like, like these, these, these are why you don't have a player like that on the team because they're causing internal strife. They're causing conflicts. They're causing problems, and, and that can be super toxic. Like, he's a great player. His highs can be incredibly high. To me, mm-hmm. it just shows he doesn't have the level of maturity that is required uh, to work in a team environment under a ton of pressure. And there is a ton of pressure on someone like that. You know, He never really performed at the level that people expected him to on CLG, despite them doing well as, as a team. I don't think that he reached the highs that I expected of him and that the community expected of him. Like He was a fine jungler, but he was not carrying CLG in many of these games this season. Yeah, I'm really curious to see how he responds to being on Liquid again. Is he, does he say this sucks? Is he super spiteful? Or does he try and win and be a team player? Because at this point, that's now three different organizations that have kind of burned him on the way out. 
And well, at, they burned him, but he went back to the same one that burned him the biggest and made you like You cannot that. burn bridges enough if you're Dardock, apparently. The burn bridge has, he got catapulted over it and he's back on the other side. Like that's, but I still really wonder. He's going to try. I don't plays, think he's, I don't think he's like malicious. I just think he, he can't, he's not mature enough. He can't help himself but when he is in the situation. If he wasn't, so previously, at least on Breaking Point, as we're going to get a tiny little bit gossipy here. Yeah. He was raging because his teammates sucked and the team wasn't winning and he wanted to go to Worlds. And that was the big thing that was going to make him so much better on CLG is we're all committed to winning. And as long as we're winning, I want to go to Worlds and that's what's going to motivate me. That's gone. Mm-hmm. Team Liquid is not going to Worlds. They're not going to playoffs. They're four wins back with four to play. They're literally just trying to stay away from relegation. And if the toxic things happen because he was on a bad team or had poor teammates before, how does he fix that now? And I, I feel like he needs to perform on Team Liquid if any team is going to pick him up again. I mean, I don't know what Kobe thinks, but to me, I'll let you respond because you've really been talking, but it's like, at this point, it's time for a shifting in, in goals and expectations, right? It's, it's, do you want to be a pro player anymore, right? Mm-hmm. And if you want to be a pro player anymore, you better, you better buckle up, you better smile, you better work hard, because... Like, you don't keep getting chances. Eventually, no one will pick him up. So, I do... I would I would at least give him um, kind of the benefit of the doubt that the issues on CLG are not the exact things that we saw on Breaking Point because that yeah. was, yeah. like, super extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I feel like I would give him the benefit of the doubt that he's, you know, making moves in the right direction. They are very clearly not enough, though. Because yep. uh, yeah. Zix also, he tweeted out on his personal... Uh, Twitter, this list of, um, you know, basically attitude of a winner or something like that. It's like a 10, 10 item long list of yesterday. Or of It was this, I saw it this morning or something. Okay. I, I'm looking for it right now, but uh, it basically says, you know, being able to take feedback, you know, having, you know, working through problems, stuff like, stuff like this that are like really team player mentality and, and you know, working through criticism. Do you so want me to it, read it out? I have it, it here. Uh, there you go. Uh, yeah, go ahead. All right, like, 10, ten ways to, to develop them, a growth mindset. Value the process over the end result. Acknowledge imperfections. Embrace struggle and difficulty. View challenges as opportunities. Place effort before talent, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. You get the idea. And and the, it continues with, like, more buzzwords, but— uh, When was that tweeted? You get the idea. Uh, like, yesterday. Okay, so pretty much— when you retweeted it's, it. It was clear to me that this is a, this a is, direct, like, explanation— um, so anyways, it, it, it feels like maybe Dardock is on the right path because, you know, they did at least, um, give him credit for, oh, you know, really motivating anybody right when he joined the team because he's so competitive. Yeah. Um, however, they very clearly ran into roadblocks as far as it seems centering around feedback or, or working through issues. Um, and so maybe it's something along those lines. And the thing is, I like watching Dardock. I want to see him in the league and he's I great. do want to see him succeed. I think it's. A good story. I think if he is finally able to stick with the team for more than a split and like they find success, that's going to be super cool. And we know how competitive he is. As long as he's using that motivation in a good way rather than lashing out to other people, which may be happening, then I still feel like he'd be able to succeed because we know how good he can be. I do think that he is, this is maybe the most difficult team to do that on, though. Like, now I think he is, yeah. it's in a bad situation. This is the most difficult now. situation I think he's ever been put in. All right, let's move on to the third one, though, because with all the Team Liquid moves, yeah. people uh, you know, may not have noticed the TSM one, which I thought was super interesting because mm-hmm. it feeds into something that Azale uh, has been pretty passionate about talking about and you know the way that teams are using subs. Team Liquid is pretty clearly like trying to grab a whole bunch to try and find just whatever best combination they can possibly get to try and get some wins on the board um, and then maybe use the rest of them for uh, an academy league or, or something like that later. Yeah. Uh, but TSM, in their video, they are going back to uh, something that we have heard from teams before where, oh, yeah, they're super excited to sign Mr. Rollins because he looks at the game completely different from Doublelift, and he learns mm-hmm. so much from Doublelift, and Doublelift learns so much from him. And, you know, they have different ideas about, you know, this style of play or, or they're going to, you know, look at macro differently and, and, and be able to really build off each other. Uh, did you watch the actual video, Isaiah? Or I seen the all right, I, that's just the gist of it, okay. though. Um, what are your kind of reactions to that? Because you've been talking about this stuff for a long time. Yeah, I've been talking about this a lot. Like I'm, I'm kind of tilted by the whole like roster stuff and and the way that people talk about the these subs and these players and stuff that are coming in. Because I think that uh, teams are being super disingenuous a lot of the time. And and I get that you can't just put someone on blast and be like, ah, Dynox toxic. We're gonna try out Omar mm-hmm. out this week, guys. But uh, 
teams are coming in and they're saying, oh, yeah, we're really focused on building a, a deep roster and this is how we're going to do it. And uh, different skill sets for different players. They're going to play different champions, blah, blah, blah. And then you talk to some of the teams. Like, I've talked to some of the managers and stuff. You know, uh, Liquid, for example, one of the managers wanted to chat and, and wanted to give us some information for broadcast. And it's like, oh, sweet. Okay, why are you trying these two different players? They play different champions? No. Well, what, what, are, this, what are their different strengths? Well, they're pretty similar. Uh, it's like, you know, well, what, yeah. what are the how reasons for... How do you decide for... who plays? Scrims? Exactly. Scrims. How, how do you decide who plays? Well, this guy had a couple more kills on Corky than that guy. Okay, great. Sweet. Like, this, this doesn't... This, <laughs> that's you are not, not a direct quote. That's, that, is not, <laughs> that is not a sub. That is not a sub. Like, this is not a sub situation. This is... You are doing tryouts actively on the LCS thing. <laughs> and I have no problem with that. But be straight up about it. Say, hey, we're searching for the right solution for our team. We're looking to see what works best. And that's what we're going to go with, right? And if that is what it is, then sure. But... Uh, these are not like subs. These are just tryouts. They're just so, looking for a replacement. I think there's a little bit to that. Yes, you're always looking for the best starter for your team, and you're mm -hmm. always looking to put yourself in the best position to succeed. Sometimes when there's two players that are really close, if one guy's having a good week and the other guy's not having a good week, you could actively have a six-man roster in that way. Mm -hmm. But I haven't seen any team, at least recently in NA, actually use the strategic six-man roster. What about uh, oh, this guy brings... A, I don't think that's worked very well for them at all. Uh, they've tried. They've tried the whole sword shield thing, but I feel like they then they put Ray on Shen, and you wonder why they're what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, to me, I, I think it was a, it's a pretty interesting point that you bring up, and I try and put myself in in the player's shoes, and like, mm. how, how does it feel, and, and how do you see yourself improving, and how would you work through if you every day are supposed to be teaching and learning from... Uh, your position with this one other person that also has the possibility to permanently bench you. Like, the teams are very clear, and, and all the coaches had all the time been like, yes, you know, whoever's playing better or whoever gives us the best chance to win is going to be in. Like, yeah. if your success in being a good teammate and teaching this other person all of your secrets and, and everything that you think about the game, do you start to even subconsciously hold things back when you're when you're talking to them or, or it's, try and, like, keep yeah. whatever whatever is unique about you separate from them so, so that you can actually retain starter spot? It puts them in a really difficult situation because I know when I was getting good in league and even a lot of pro players talk to each other cross team because you can gain a lot by hearing their opinions on picks and how they're starting in the jungle and how they're ruining and just having conversations with people in role. So in a, in a theoretical world, having that in house, so you're not sharing strategies with other teams is good. But then you bring up what Kobe's just talking about with this history of like, how many back and forth subs have we actually seen? Alltech and Adrian are crushing with Dignitas. Are we going to see Big and Laud next week because they're a seven-man no. roster? No. So what type of learning is actually rewarding these guys is, is a struggle that these teams need to be able to answer if they want these environments to work. And and when I put myself in that situation, when I think to all my years as a pro and stuff, there was yeah. pretty much no quicker way to tilt me than to compare me to someone else doing the same thing. It's like, oh, oh Kobe, well... Uh, yeah, it didn't work out for you that jungle game. We'll just look at what Jat does. Jat does it better than you. So if you could just do that next game, we'll do better. Yeah. All right, right? Like, to me, yes, maybe there's some players that are motivated by bringing in the new guy and he's going to light a fire under your ass or whatever. But, like, to me, that, that feels of a lack of confidence. And if my teammates do not have confidence in me, like, that is very detrimental. And there are going to be some players that you feel like it's an even give and take, right? But but what if Kobe's my sub? And I don't feel like like he's just mechanically better than me, but I know more about the game. What is he going to really teach me? Is he going to teach me how to move my mouse faster? Be better, dum-dum. Exactly. Like, <laughs> then, then it's a one-way street. Like, I'm giving you my, like, strategical prowess or whatever, and you're just like, yeah, try click faster, bro. You suck. <laughs> and it's uh, like, okay, sweet. But if it's, if it's equal... Maybe. So but let, there's so few circumstances. Let me uh, pitch you guys on something. Because I did yeah. not start this conversation empty-handed. Okay. My idea going into it was, uh, you know, first of all, how do I make both players, uh, you know, feel confident, feel safe in in their job or, or in their position or whatever? Mm -hmm. uh, I, would, I would theorize that you would have more success if, yes, you're bringing in this other super high caliber AD, let's use this for example, the AD carry or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, if Mr. Raleigh is... is confident and secure in his position as a positional coach. Right. Uh, Cause people have had positional coaches before, right? But they're usually like analysts that just look oh, like the Cloud9 guy. Look that at, came in yeah, recently. you look at like uh Westrice actually. Yeah, Kane, but then he went over to Team Liquid. Uh, and Westrice does, is Cloud9 have a, a positional jungle uh, jungle or, coach? Or a jungle coach. Or oh, uh Lulex. Yeah, Lulex. There you go. But Lulex. that's also oh, yeah, the when Jensen guy. comes in on import, there's a chance he's playing. 
So there's that to it as well. Yep. So anyways, Lulex, let's use Lulex as as an example cuz he was he's actually picked up as mm-hmm. the, you know, positional coach. Now, this does work as long as the other player doesn't have those lofty aspirations of, mm-hmm. you know, being on stage and and having that spotlight and and climbing to the top. I still feel like, you know, whether whether that's the case and there's like a little bit of, ooh, I wish I was the one on stage. Uh, I feel like you would get more out of it if going into it, both of them had clear and like guaranteed salaries and guaranteed spots yeah. of you're the player, you're the positional coach. Now I feel good sharing everything I possibly can so that we as a team win. Yeah. And as long as they have kind of structures in place. So if you look at subs in traditional sports, those happen for various different reasons. Like the NBA, you have five players on the court at the same time, but fatigue is a thing, so you actually need other mm-hmm. people on the roster. But you're usually only running an eight or nine-man rotation, and it's a 12-person roster. So some of those guys are around for injury. Some of those guys are 37 years old and are actually just kind of coaches in disguise where they're trying to just be a locker room presence or good theory for the team or teach people tips. That's kind of where I see League of Legends subs going in the in the right way. So if Rales comes in from double lift, if they're telling Rales, hey, your job is to actually play solo queue, talk to other 80 carries, and tell double lift what to do. And if double lift super slacks, then you're going to get to play, but don't expect to. Yeah. And they kind of tell that to both people. Then I think the sub situation is super good, right? And I think it's definitely here to stay. Yeah, clear expectations. I think a long-term contract, right? Like if, if Kobe, if Kobe, great, you're, you're, you're faster on the mouse than me, but I'm signed for three years. My money is guaranteed. Yeah. Then, then maybe I'm more willing to teach you because then I'm, <laughs> Thank I'm, you, sir. I'm committing to, to yeah. the success of the team, right? As but long if, as they're telling the players tomorrow. what they're being measured on as well. Yeah. Because if they're telling them you're being measured on, if you come into the LCS and win, and that's all you're good for, then yeah, that's going to create a combative environment. Yeah. And sometimes that can be good. Sometimes you actually want certain personalities to do that. But I agree with you. The messaging has been wildly inconsistent uh, with subs in NA. Let's bring it back to that then, because uh, do you, for this specific one, uh, feel like TSM is giving you the BS that you've you know heard before? Or, double lift Or story? do you actually think that like there's a chance double lift gets benched for Mr. Rawlings? Or is this kind of Reggie's buying up AD carries for academy teams, you know, when people want them or something. I see this as door number three. Door number, I, see, yeah. I see this as this is the academy team is being built early. And, uh, you know, they, like Mr. Rollins is, is a good player, and I'm sure that they think that there could be some value there. But do I think that Doublelift is, you know, going to be having him behind him like, all right, yeah, now click on the minion. Okay, now shoot this guy. Buy a Phantom Dancer. No, I don't. I don't think he's actually like... <laughs> you should build a static I, I don't think that he's a, a positional coach, really. I'm, I'm sure that... It's great if they, if they have a good relationship, they will talk and they will hopefully learn from that. But I see this as an academy pickup. Um, if this was, you know, maybe if this was like Sven or something and they got a big, a pretty big name jungler who was coming in, I'd be like, ooh, maybe his spot isn't safe because people have talked about Sven not performing as well. But Doublelift, I think most people feel is safe. And maybe that's just me being ignorant about the internal situation TSM. But I think Doublelift, because he has performed at such a high level as a player, uh, is probably safe from actually just getting bopped. Who do you think is going to start for Liquid this week? Is it going to be Dardock and Mickey? Can Mickey start this it, week? I don't know. Is or, he here? I, I have, it, we're getting we, close to the lottery odds. Yeah. Like, to get all of them right, what are the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pick their starting roster. There are 11 different players with 27 different configurations. Yeah, now they have 40. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, if, if everyone is here and everyone is, like, you know, healthy and blah, 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 I'm assuming it's it's Lolo, Dardock, Mickey, and then the same, uh, it's Matt and Piglet and Botley. Yeah. That's what I'm assuming. That's the that's the very last thing I want to talk about, and we're kind of going for a full circle. Why aren't we subbing Piglet out ever? This dude has been the one constant on this eighth place team for the past year and a half. Freak put him like top eighty carrier. Freak top put him in eight tier. That's, that's why. That's the whole reason. That's why. But Steve's like, mm, interesting. He's uh, an eight tier eighty carry. Where's the rest of my team? Do oh, not so good. You're out of there, Gold. <laughs> How did they not sign Altec or Wild Turtle or? A non-import AD carry if they're going to get a Korean mid. This, this has been my question with a lot of teams. Sometimes, you know, it's like when we talked about uh, Echo Fox and stuff, when people have been like, oh, they're struggling with AD carries. Well, they missed Wild Turtle. They missed Altec. They missed all these things. So sometimes maybe the teams don't want to spend the money. Maybe they don't. Maybe the the, the te- like players on that team do not think that that would be a good fit or could be any number of things. But yeah, um, Piglet, for whatever reason, although outside i feel like most people think that he is not working and he obviously is a problem because he's been a constant with all these rosters that and team liquid has sucked for basically two years now Mm -hmm. um but obviously he either is in with the coaches or the management or they're like 
maybe it's the the like kind of sunk cost fallacy where it's like, ah, oh, we put so much into Piglet, like we got to make this work. He's really talented, you know. He has been playing a little better this split than last uh, split. I would, I, I can interject some rumors here that might help, but like okay. I heard that the price of AD carries did skyrocket yeah. um, as far as uh, North too. America. You know, when you're talking about wild turtle and, and stuff floating around, mm -hmm. uh, I heard that the the price for that position, you know, is at a premium in North America. So mm -hmm. that may have been some of the struggle. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I definitely agree. Liquid has an expensive roster. Like, Oh, yeah. I, I mean, what are, is Rainover is Rainover just getting dropped now? You know, like uh, people talked about Rainover, biggest offseason move ever, highest played player in the West. Now he's on the bench, and they have Anori, who at one point was big ticket jungler. You know, mm -hmm. Darlock still has a big name. Uh, they have you know three mid laners like you know Liquid. By what people talk about, you know Liquid apparently pays people very well and blah blah yeah. blah. So it's like if if you're playing all these guys pretty well, you have so many players on the team. You assume for someone like Mickey to come over, he's getting a pretty big check, right? Usually a Korean import is going to get a big amount of money. Yeah. Do they keep the players? Do you, if you're liquid, do you keep Rainover to like keep them away from other teams? Do you drop them to save the money? What do you guys think? They remind me of the New York Knicks right now. They just spend a bunch of money and haven't been winning. I don't know what they do, man. I think in the off season, depending on I don't know how many years Rainover's contract is or how mm -hmm. the guarantees work in these things. We we don't we're not privy to any of that information. I think if it's a one year contract, they're not re-signing him for anywhere close to the same money because he's he's falling apart. But I do think they've gotten a head start on the Academy League if they make it into the LCS next year and I think they'll keep the players. Yeah. The that's part. the thing about contracts. Like they can't just break it now and be like, Oh, you're not good anymore. We're not gonna have you. They so try to trade give me some of that money back. Could try <laughs> yeah, to trade you can try and sell them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like selling them, you know, also kind of is on the same downward curve as like, you know, as yeah. far as loss on investment. Trying to, trying to convince yeah, exactly. Trying to convince people. Anyway, we should probably get yeah. in there to the meta. There was a lot to talk about, but we have a lot more actually. Urgot release <laughs> as well as patch seven. We didn't even talk about Omar God. We can touch on him in NALCS though, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We'll touch on Omar God in a bit. Right now, Urgot release. What do you think of the six knee shotgun man? For me, uh, I I I'll, I'll go first. I guess uh, for me, I was looking at the kit and I was like. Oh, percentage health here, percentage health there, percentage health damage. Whoa, his ultimate kills you at 25%. The ultimate health damage. Everything everything else to me was like kind of boring to, you know, walking up to that point. And I saw the ultimate and I was like, oh my God, he's actually the tank killer. And it's, you know, tank meadow right now or whatever. So he can like shotgun knee you with a whole bunch of percentage health. Uh, and then he ults you and he can kill you if you're 25% or below. I want to, you know, play him and like see how mm -hmm. it feels and, mm -hmm. and, you know, how it actually is, you know, mm -hmm. with his, he does have short ranges and stuff to work around. But yeah. uh, to me, I was immediately like, great, I'm, I'm definitely going to see him uh, in some games as long as his numbers are okay because he's perfectly situated to kill a front line. Yeah, I watched his spotlight th this morning and also his numbers are up on uh, League Wiki. I, I think his numbers are pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, 205 base damage at max rank Q plus 70% base AD. So that's pretty much a 300 damage spell on a relatively low cooldown. The shotgun needs 2% health. And at first I was like, yo, it's going to be really <laughs> implausible to get a lot of your shotgun knees off. But I think you can get two to three face up. Yeah. And then if you hit him with your E, you get two or three more. I'd so I actually think he's going to be pretty strong in melee matchups. I think things like Kennen will probably still beat him up in the top lane or longer range champions. But I do feel like juggernaut wise, his numbers are tuned to a spot where he should be pretty good. So my concern for any champion like this as far as the transition to competitive play is I think I think he, he's going to be very strong in soul queue. I'm not sure if he's going to be in competitive or not because similarly, Swain, Kale, guys like this are incredible mm -hmm. in solo queue, but you're so easy to get ganked. The way you win lane is you push them in, you bully them under turret, these sorts of things. Even Urgot top is inc incredibly hard to lane against for a lot of matchups, even the old Urgot. Um, but... You're so gankable, and maybe it's it's harder to actually gank this new Urgot, and maybe he can kind of get away with that because he has the charge and because he has some of these yeah. extra things in his kit, but that would be my major concern on if he gets played. Yeah, yeah that was 100% what I was going to point to, though. Like, the his, my, one of his favorite moves, actually, the 
I don't know what to call it, like the disdain the arm dunk or whatever. The arm backwards. dunk. That's what we'll call you it. You can you can use it backwards, right? So so yeah. uh, you know he he technically has more you know escapes that targeted than though? before. No, you can because they showed in the in it's the spotlight direction. he did oh, okay. it he yeah. did it into a wall. So okay, it's no, a target direction. He has an activatable yeah. shield and he has juggernaut stats. Yeah. So his so base health uh, is like six hundred. I think he's in there, I, and he's for yeah. sure positioned as his tank killer. I think is he's got a very clear mm-hmm. use. So even if he's not not permit pick ban or whatever if his you know numbers aren't off the roofs yeah. i think that there will be use cases for him tank killing um because man i, I just i can't get over this ultimate 25 yeah. percent uh so, health i don't know if you guys have heard this but so one thing that with the ultimate that's very funny is so it's the 25 percent health uh-huh. execute if mm-hmm. brahm shield intercepts this it executes him from 100 percent hp that's a bug. <laughs> no, it's listed as not a bug. It was tweeted, oh, it was tweeted uh, really? by a Riot QA person as saying, this is intended. This I do is not want to play Brom Because this anymore. is a blocked spell. So they're blocking <laughs> the like 100% no. execute your dead spell. And there's a gif of it happening. And they're like, this is intended. So, so wait, can I also... I, I don't believe Wait, you, can man. I also walk... Somebody walks into the meat grinder Looking while he's up. just like... Grind, he's pulling somebody so, in. It, that would be hilarious. He intercepts a targeted spell, so he absorbs it. So if I shoot at you and you're 25%, <laughs> and, and Jet's like, I'll save you. And then Where he did just you dies. find this? I'm, lo- I'm trying to find it on Reddit right now. I, uh, it's I, not on Reddit. It was it was actually tweeted to us. Um, someone tweeted it to us, and it was uh, like, Gosiki, who's one of the guys who works on Riot QA. Uh-huh. He worked, well, he worked right. on Ergot and said it was intended. Uh, okay. We we can look at it later, and maybe that won't stay that way. <laughs> I don't think that I love it. Stay. That's what you get for trying to be a hero all the time, Brom. <laughs> Boom, but, dead. Uh, I was just like, that is actually hilarious. Okay, here, here. No, this, I, I think I remember not, seeing the video. This is the tweet from the riot guy. This is not a bug. If you decide to block Urgot chains with Bromwell, you die. The, <laughs> uh, the ultimate support sacrifice has arrived. Is that a real account that tweeted that? Yes. Oh, okay. I know the sure. guy. Okay, I believe you now. I just I have I have fundamental problems with that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So do I. But but, <laughs> yeah. but that works. I love Everybody, it. Can you can you imagine though how to, like Bromp has played a lot in competitive. You you yeah. would literally just be saving your alt to try to hit him with. Oh. When, anytime yeah. he uses E, you just chain his butt and he's just gonna die from full. Like that's hilarious. Uh, anyway, I, I think when he's available to play in pro, yeah. I'm usually really I usually wait to like see the numbers and see how it plays out. I think these numbers make him pretty playable on day one. So. Uh, as a top lane juggernaut. Another big thing, patch 715, mm-hmm. was a bunch of small changes, essentially. This one, uh, small nerfs to a lot of the meta champions and small buffs to things that could potentially be on the outside of the meta. I was just going down the line. I was like, oh, cool. They're taking a, a more level hand at this one. A little bit off here, a little bit on there, a little bit off here. And then I get to Sivir. Uh and uh, Sivir was already making her way back into the meta. You know, tanks like to engage. They like to have a bunch of AoE speed. And then you get down here to the Q. They add 30 base damage mm-hmm. onto just one half. This is a mm. spell that can hit twice, by mm. the way. Yep. And it starts at level one. Boom, smack. 30 more damage onto mm. that each pass that you get. So that one just kind of blew my mind. I'm like, okay, Sivir is totally in there. 100% now. I'm going to devil's advocate the Sivir one a little bit. Okay. Uh, this spell has a lot of fall-off damage and is heavily mana-constrained early in lane. If Sivers are shoving early, they're shoving with Ricochet. And if they shove with Ricochet and Boomerang Blade, they're going to oom after two or three waves. So I, I don't think it's as big as it seems. If Sivir comes back into meta, it's because of tank comps, support changes, and a little bit this. Unless I got a wrong read and Sivir starts solo-killing people at level two, but if that doesn't happen, I don't think it actually makes that. Here, here, here's the thing: even even if you're not soul killing people at level two, that's an enormous amount of base 60 damage. Sixty said this is impossible. Sixty <laughs> more damage level one, Jack. No, it's actually not because even if it's passing backwards, it's never. It's already falling off. It has pretty substantial fallout no matter how many right. it hits. Maybe maybe like I mean, forty Siver, or fifty-eight. Siver, <laughs> yeah, Sivir's still in there already. We're starting to yeah. see Sivir. So if people are always like are already realizing Sivir is good with tanks. This is certainly gonna like give it a kick in the pants. Where you're people are definitely even gonna try it if it's already good, and that's gonna push it over. But I think one, this, I think this boosts her by one percent win rate. All right, we'll check the tape. I think we'll check the tapes that. on this one. Yeah, I yeah. think it's gonna be more than one. You, you know what popped out to me though? You're saying you're scrolling down. It's like ah, okay, like a little bit of damage here, a little bit of damage mm-hmm. there. You know what popped out to me? Thirty percent magic damage reduction on Mundo when your E is maxed. <laughs> yeah, what With is no that? other nerfs? It's, that it's a buff. So, that to me is is. I don't like these changes. I mean, it's it's emphasizing strengths. You know, we want to talk about, like, ah, oh, they talk about, like, have clear strengths, have clear weaknesses and stuff. 
I just feel like Mundo is in this place where, and people who are exceptionally reliant on uh, sustaining healing are in this place in general, but like Mundo even more is reliant on his regen where it's like, oh, someone bought an Executioner's Calling? Well, you're crap. Oh, they didn't? Well, you're godlike. And because of that, there was already matchups where he is very strong, like playing him top lane and mm -hmm. stuff. Like, I loved playing him into Rumble. Uh, he's incredibly good into that matchup. We even saw it in competitive sometimes because he could already smash those kind of matchups because he wants to build the Spirit Visage first. And those kinds of uh, champions, like, what's Rumble going to build for the healing debuff, right? Is he going to build an Executioner's? Is he going to build Umbrellas? Both of us suck on Rumble. So great, he's good in that matchup. Now you take a matchup like that or like Swain uh, where, you know, and, and you essentially are giving him like 30% Reduced magic damage taken. This also, the way it's so reading, should at, work on his W too. At max rank E, it's 30%. Yeah. You're always maxing Q first on Mundo. When I jump I Mundo, I max W anymore. second. And this is the last thing. So at least in lane, by the way, this does work with his W. So if you have, if you're 3K health Mundo and you keep your W on all the time and regen, you're just getting, no matter how many points you need, that percentage in magic resist. So I think it's a very clear buff, mm -hmm. but I think he was already good in those matches and no other nerfs. This this might actually push him into the meta. Well, that's what I'm saying. It just it just feels bad where it's like, I, I feel like it creates this thing where it's like, oh, you picked Rumble before they picked their top laner? Well, you get absolutely slammed by Mundo now. Like, I, I don't like that feeling. Well, I don't think you're going to be putting enough points in E to change the I matchup think you will. that much. You I think you're going to max E in lane against Rumble? Yeah. But then you're never even going to be able to stack up your magic resist because you're not going to keep your W on that early in the game because you don't have the regen yet. You take you take I damage from, these... from a flame spitter. Like if he if he pops yeah. flame spitter with deathfire, you're at full stacks essentially. Like like you're going to stack up instantly against champions like Swain, like Rumble. Like that's instantaneous. How if many you, points do you put in E as Mundo in lane? I mean, you you like it's not unreasonable. I I max it second when I play when right. I play Mundo always in lane, and I think with this buff in AP matchups, I would probably max it first or at least put you could put three right. Like if you put three points into it, then you can be getting eighteen percent less magic damage taken. Yeah. When you're on a cowl or even like a spirit visage, like plus adaptive helm is getting buffed, which is all the champions that you would want to build. I think build adaptive helm anyway. buff is sick, but I think if you max e in lane against Rumble, you get smashed. Rome was just gonna harpoon you. You're never gonna be able to hit him or do any damage. Oh, I disagree. You can still use the slow from Q and like like your E trading is is one of the strongest parts. But yeah. like I, I okay. think this is like and I've played like a lot of Mundo top. Oh, like it's one champions I have played a lot in ranked. But I, Re I regardless though, this is 100% kind of like you're talking about positioning him as the anti magic tank. So yeah. mm -hmm. you know and and I kind of like that to a degree. If now that we have ten bands and you have to think more about the chess pieces of oh, you know, do we have to ban out Mundo if we want to run, you know, double solo lane APs and, and stuff like that? But then as you're saying, it does get to a point where it's 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 boring if it's effortless for a champion to be like yep, it will oh, be. super, you know, ma like mm -hmm. basically immune to magic damage or something. And, and like you you have to ban that out if you're running this comp or something. Yep. Yeah. So I there's still I don't, some wiggle room. I don't room. think this puts him there. Yeah. I agree with the theory that if that's the case, it's dumb. Yeah. Right. I just I, I feel like it does. We'll see. Like, especially with if you want to do the stuff where it's like Maokai and, and Cho'Gath and stuff like that, or Sidwani mm -hmm. and, and Maokai and whatever. If you do like your jungler is dealing AP and your top laner is dealing AP, I think you can pick Mundo in those situations and like almost be immune to death. Like it's it's already felt like that when I was playing against multiple AP comps on on live mm -hmm. without this buff. And even if I'm putting no points in this, like just the one. And I think you could easily put a couple in. Yeah, if you put one point in, this stacks to 6%. Yeah. I do have some math for you. Uh, I looked it up. It's only a 15% fall off for Sivir's Q. Uh, okay. So 50% so per target? Yes. Up to how many? Up to 40%. Okay. If, if, if like what? I have a Morgana or something. 15% like. of the third. He lands oh, the if bind. you land a binding and you So get you the talked Q. about the, the mm. max damage. 15% of just level one boomerang base damage uh, is 55. So that would only take off eight and a quarter damage. Well, it wouldn't be of yeah. the first, it would only be of the second pass. From the maximum. It would be even less. No, it's eight, right? eight on the second pass. Oh. Eight damage. 15% oh, okay, okay. yeah, yeah. okay. of 55 would yeah. be eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, I'm talking about the and that's really. That goes through no minions. That's not even taking into account the attack damage ratio. Yeah, so, it's some good stuff on there. I agree with you. Silver could be pretty good. All right. Uh, what, the reason I'm not super crazy on this is. Uh, I got to sit in on some of these meetings because this is targeted towards being like a Worlds or like more esports patch. 7.15 is going to be the last week of LCS. 7.16 will be playoffs and then 7.17 or 7.18 is going to be Worlds. So they're trying to get the meta kind of shaped now so there's not massive disruptive changes like there have yeah. been in past years, uh, which was pretty cool. And I remember, like, I I raised an eyebrow to these Sivir buffs. I said, was this a little bit much? Mm -hmm. And they said, Robert X. Lee's playtested this a lot. He says it's cool. 
And I was like, all right, I trust Robert so, for this one a little so bit. Here, here's the thing with playtest, and this is coming from someone who was on playtest for yeah. over a year. It's very easy to be wrong about things. Oh, and, yeah. And people are consistently wrong about things because you, Dude, you put it I, out on I balanced like six of the release champions uh, yeah. for you. I, like, I totally so, understand so Robert, how Robert's saying that it's, it's balanced doesn't, doesn't mean anything. That's all I'm saying. I it, like these it, quotes. It because now we have Jats, it's much easier to lose than to win all yeah. of your games. And then we have Azaleus, it is easy to be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it is it's easy very to be easy wrong. to be wrong. So, well, so obviously, if the playtesters were right 100% of the time and the designers always listen to the playtesters, everything would bounce. And, and to be clear, I think so they obviously. do a really good job. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Actually, Especially Robert. I think that they actually do. Um, and and I, I have liked the bounce of the game and, and they are reactive and that stuff is good. But uh, it's very hard to be right, like right when stuff comes out and right on the on the nose with changes. Oh, yeah. And if it is super OP, they'll, they'll change it, right? And also um, the difficulties are, a lot of these things are trying to be balanced before the meta's necessarily taken shape because mm -hmm. we just got to see, you know, the way the pro scene reacts to 714 two days ago. The patch was yeah. already locked. None of these changes are reactive to what happened last week. So there's a chance that Sivir didn't even need the buffs and ends up getting nerfed in the next patch in 716. So uh, either way, I am skeptical as to Sivir's and... Moon All right, Jack. What's your what's yours then? We just we each picked out one. What do you got? What popped out for Man, you? Man, I, I was just devil's advocating. So Akali's a little scary to me for solo queue, mainly because I was seeing her taking off a little bit before. That's not that's not a main one. I want to see if Nasus makes it in, uh, because he got a lot of changes. Instead of a flat armor reduction, it's a percent armor reduction on his Spirit Fire, and also while he's ulted, he gets to queue twice as much yeah. because his cooldown is reduced. Nasus gets kited like a madman in pro play, but if we see Maokai play top lane, I think Nasus is really good into him. And so, Sivir, so the speed, the, the, and Sivir uh, with his speed uh, could uh, help. Nasus, <laughs> Nasus, I think like it's another guy I like play top lane sometimes. Um, my biggest issue with him is his early game is so insanely bad that like which is why if you're laning against Maokai, you're but chilling. even if you're laning against Maokai, Maokai's actually uh, trading and stuff is actually not that bad early. And if you get ganked, like you can get put just to like where yeah. it's like, oh god, my game is actually over. Like, it's it's tough in the early game. Uh, your your little your mini point on Akali that before you jumped off though, I was gonna say I do yeah. like that one because I know that multiple LCS top laners, at least from watching their streams have mm -hmm. even for months now mm -hmm. been playing top lane Akali. Yeah. And so we keep preparing like every week. I was like, is this gonna be the week we get to Akali? I'm, I got so much stuff for Akali to say it now. Uh, and they still, you know, they yeah. never pulled it out. I really hope that this is the one that either reminds them, oh yeah, I, I had so much fun with Akali or like, it's so good. Let's practice in yeah. again. Or maybe this will just be like the little nudge that makes them actually play her because I'm so ready for for Akali at least to make an entrance into the game. Yeah, I do think that people might get tired of her quick because, as you're saying, like mm. solo queue, you get that feeling when you know she's just chasing everyone down. It's kind of annoying, but uh, I I do think that now this is the week. Even remember, after yeah. like multiple well, months, the start of summer, I was expecting Akali to come in because Ray and Impact were both spamming it. I was like, ah, yes, you know, is gonna do it. And yeah. someday, like everybody. And here's the difference: since the last time Akali was in pro play, uh, a I think it's a pretty good NAR counter, and it's good with Galio. But B, the trivial counters that used to keep Akali out of pro when she was dominating in solo queue, like putting a control ward or a pink ward into her Twilight Shroud to reveal her and kill her, don't work anymore. She's actually invisible when she's in that. So there are more outplays you can do or she's not as easily counterplayed in pro, mm -hmm. which is why she could actually exist in competitive and be somewhat samely balanced as it would be in solo queue. I, I'm, I'm still waiting for more of the solo queue counters to make their way into pro. Like, uh, you know, w immediately when I think of Akali, I'm like, Swain. If I ever see that in Solo Q, I play Swain to it, absolutely slams it. Because you put Laser Bird inside the circle and yeah, it and, just and takes it's, a bunch of damage. It, she cannot, like, she gets pushed in, she gets, like, zoned off all the CS under a turret. Like, she can't do anything. It's, like, miserable. Yeah. And Swain smashes Nar. Swain smashes a number of these matchups. Like, and so I'm always wondering, like, when are picks like that gonna, gonna come out? Because, yes, you are gankable. Yes, there are weaknesses. But if you want to play to that side, I, like, I feel like there are some really tough matchups. And we saw a little bit of it. Like, we saw Pantheon into, uh, what was it, Fiora or something like that. That maybe yeah to me uh, especially when you ever always keep up bringing swain i just i just feel like these champions that are so simple and you can you can only they're so one-dimensional basically mm -hmm. it makes it mm -hmm. like you're saying play the rest of the pro game so much more difficult yeah um sure. you know swain does not have great wave clear uh swain you know kind of has to walk into these team fights people are gonna build executioners calling uh, there's kind of things like stack up that was also um by the way, if we're looking back to 714, 
And Azale was talking about Garen being busted and going to come in, busted. smash top lane. I didn't think he's in. I never said in competitive. Well, I said, <laughs> well, okay, oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. I said in solo queue. <laughs> we'll, we'll check the tapes, but yeah, that's true. We'll, we'll give you the, yeah, yeah. the, the no, competitive I, for sure, one. For sure, I thought he was good in solo queue. And I but, still think he's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. The 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 champions, Go back and listen to how the champions that are just too uh, simple. I I don't think those ones kind of ever make their way boy into into pro play. Oh, he's playing it in challenges. Well, that not, not pro. <laughs> Does that not Is count? He, wait, was he playing Garen in Challenger? No, no, no Swain. Oh, Swain, Swain. He plays a lot of Swain. Oh, he's been playing Challenger. that for decades yeah, at this point. But not even just not even just Swain. Solo queue counters in general. Like mm-hmm. I, I've been waiting for Yasuo and Dinar to come back. I've been waiting for like these sorts of picks because sometimes I think they're really good and have even been shown in pro play. Yeah. But if it goes bad, it goes so bad, and I think people are yeah. hesitant to to put in the time. That's the thing. Lane counters only work so far as they still fit into the team composition. Yeah. Otherwise, you don't see him in pro yep, because totally. the team composition matters so much. Good with the patch? Good with the Good patch. With patch. Let's check in on North American LCS. We have six teams that are four wins ahead of the bottom half of the standings. So I'm a little disappointed about that, personally. Are you? Yeah, I like having intrigue down the stretch. But what it would do is creates kind of a more clear playoff divide, and then the other teams are fighting for promotion. And so while, like, the interest level of the games, you can say, ah, it's not as competitive, doesn't mean as much down the split. Like, so what I'm excited for is I'm hoping for a competitive quarterfinals and semifinals, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I want to get out of this because very often you go into the quarters and it's like, well, this team hasn't been good in so long. They're about to get slammed. Okay, they got slammed. Now let's go to the semifinals. And maybe we have enough teams that are that are within that kind of striking distance that could have some really exciting playoff matches. Yeah, the exciting thing to me about it and, and maybe the, the pro of, oh, yeah, uh, you know, down the stretch, our, our games might not be as exciting as to who's getting mm-hmm. in. It does make me kind of excited because I feel like um, you know, there isn't within those six. Like six is a pretty big number to be in, in a kind of close competitive space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, usually we're like, all right, one or two teams at the top. It's always either TSM and Cloud9 or just TSM or TSM and CLSD or something like that. And then we have to go to another, you know, level pretty quickly. But TSM got upset, you know. They were talking about not being, you know, very happy with how they adjusted to this patch. And mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. kind of a, a theme with them. So they're like... There are themes that are running through, and I feel like I'm excited whenever I see kind of any of these basically top six teams play against each other, and it makes me feel like the possibilities for upsets are very real, Um, like almost even kind of looking forward to them. The one team I'm not super hyped about is Envy, and I want to see how they close (laughs) out the season because strength of schedule-wise, they have by far the hardest schedule yet. I wouldn't be surprised if they lose out the split, uh, and then that would. Cloud Nine has a really easy one too, and Cloud Nine has a really easy schedule, and they're tied with them at the standing. So yeah. while it feels really tightly packed now, I kind of think we're going to have the situation where the sixth place team is potentially kind of a level below. In which case, it makes it really important to get the third seed and the second yeah. seed, and then all those seeds will matter. That's what I was going to say. Is seeding is actually going to be really important among these teams. If you can get so there's like. For the most part, people have been talking about three teams competing for you know the top two spots, right? Yeah. Uh, with CLG, Immortals, TSM, and getting that top two spot means you get a buy, which is very very big. Uh, also, I agree that the the third versus six is going to be really hard. A because the sixth place team is usually the worst, and the third place team should be like a slight tier above those those next couple teams, right? So getting even fifth versus six could be a big deal because you may have a much easier yeah. first round opponent. Just. Because it's insane. Envy plays CLG, TSM, Immortals, and Cloud9 for their last four games. The the thing that always does, I still get excited for um, Envy games. Uh, not you know, not to the gr- degree of maybe the other matchups of those top six, but I still get excited just because I'm literally like, this is the Lyra show. Like I want to see how like ridiculous this guy is because apollo just came out i think it was apollo um in another interview not we've always always talked about oh lyra is actually just mm-hmm. mechanical genius you know look at him doing so well in the jungle even when whatever lanes are losing or the team's having so many problems then he also has this another another level of they're like oh uh our coach doesn't live with us we don't really have you know much coaching support so mm-hmm. lyra is teaching us about the game and lyra not only is he like beasting in the games he's mm-hmm. getting off all these games He's got ridiculous, you know, jungle stats, especially for being on a on a losing team. He's also, you know, teaching them game theory and and macro, and it it just it's seems crazy. Like 
with with the thing, the, the, the legend, player. the legends are just continually compounding. Um, and I just, I'm always kind of on Lira watch when I watch this team play. Yeah. So a little bit of a tangent here, but we are getting towards uh, the end of the split. MVP voting is going to be on people's minds. It is very Ooh. competitive. How much does that affect, like what what kind of emphasis you put on him? Right, Bjergsen, great. Jensen, awesome in lane. Lyra, if he's the coach and he's a good player, <laughs> and the team went from like being pretty bad to being pretty good, how much credit is Lyra's? Right, like uh, Violet is essentially a life coach. Like yeah. he, he, you know, is helping them have good schedules and training them and, and helping in different ways. Uh, but if Lyra is the legit coach, like. How much value is there on that? Yeah. If they finish top three or something, if they go through that gauntlet that we just <laughs> talked about and win a bunch of games, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, but I think he would be more, more valuable. X Smithy is another guy that would be right up there as far as just he's the one person that Immortals changed. Well, they, they also changed their coach. Place. And, and Pobelto yeah. gave, a, gave a bunch of credit. The coach is really good. Um, uh, I was going to say, though, the only other person that that kind of reminds me of would be maybe a couple years ago high uh, for Cloud9 when they brought him back in at, at jungle mm-hmm. position. Mm-hmm. And the team went from ninth place to going to Worlds because, uh, you know, yeah. high coming in. and, and They were eighth when he came in. I just yeah. watched the dive for uh, uh, oh, the, the drive for Elimination, okay. and he said ninth, so that's why I said that. Uh, I'm not, I didn't fact check <sighs> it, but so anyways, him. at one point, they were ninth. Uh, anyways, uh, that that just kind of type of legend and, and in-game leaders are always so impressive to me in mm-hmm. League of Legends, um, and especially if Lyra is you know going over theory and and macro game with these guys. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It always comes back to what's your definition of most valuable player. Yeah, uh, and and that is different for for multiple people. So that's why you, we have to be so clear when we're doing these votes. Um, what is our our uh, you know hard definition of most valuable player? Mm-hmm. Um, because so I what's, what's I yours? usually tend towards um, I default to okay if I pick any player out of the league to start my team to be um, you know on my team uh, you know I don't know how how many other picks I'm going to be able to get if I can only grab one player and I'm like this mm-hmm. this guy's for sure on my team and then you know we're building later I feel like that is my MVP um, and is that Lyra if he's also your coach. I'm a jungler, bro. He's not gonna. I'm gonna be playing. No, yeah. I'm picking Bjergsen. <laughs> I try and I try and eyeball wins over replacement. Like if you replace this guy with an average player, how much would the team tank? And that to me is kind of the same thing as Kobe. That's is, who saying. is the most important player on the team? And and that's that's like with him. That's why I'm bringing it up, right? Because this is not only is he super good. You know, he was he was considered the best jungler in the league last split. I don't know if you consider him the best in the in the league this split. But if he is also a coach and you lose your your strategy <laughs> and you lose your best player. That, I'm gonna have how bad many wins? Time. Like you know, if you replace this guy with who is the average jungler in the league, who's like you know the middle of the pack? What would you consider in the league right now? And then put him in yeah. there. And what, what what does MV do? Do we now name an average jungler? Or yeah, just pretend name your average, average jungler. jungler. Ooh, that's a tough one. Who do you uh, think, Kobe? Who's who's like the middle of the pack? Your average. Uh, I'm honestly gonna go with like Shrimp or somebody. Okay, that's because, actually what I so Shrimp Shrimp is on MV now. How much better or worse is MV? A lot. They might. They're, they're in the pack of four-win teams. So they're so they're out of That's the playoffs. That's at least four wins, and over they're fighting now for relegation. Yeah. Yeah. So the the MVP thing that you're talking about is like the difference between who is most valuable player as an individual player, you know, best player in the league, mm-hmm. versus who is most valuable player to their specific team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and for me, I like isolating it as who is literally the best player in the league, mm-hmm. who who like offers most to me if I'm making a team. Uh, rather than oh this guy he has a lot of you know pretty weak teammates so you know he's incredibly valuable to his team and for Lear it's like a double thing because you can't discount him just because he is on a weaker team because yeah. he actually just individually if, if you do rank him right there with the entire league incredibly valuable player just as the entire league is considered but I feel like that's yeah. the biggest dividing point for those MVP yeah. votes that there's we the wins over replacement do. stuff there's also just best player because you don't want to overly punish a player for having other good teammates but it is harder to stand out when you have good teammates so that always factors into these discussions uh, with that being said I've voted for Bjergsen like three splits in a row because he's been the best player in NA for this long so yeah. I'm is, interested to see where the ballot goes this time this is a tough one because the top five teams or top six teams are all within two or three wins of each other so yeah best player on best team becomes much more subjective at this point. So, and yeah. a regular season award, it's going to be going to be a crazy voting process this split. 
That was a good uh, tangent. I kind of yeah. want to go on one real quickly because you reminded me. I give what... you my blessing. Go <laughs> forth, you, Kobe. You. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Zale going to teach me and uh, you know lend his good brain as well as far as our <laughs> substitute we position. Got? Uh, I, I started I touched on the the drive episode that they just released. I know you guys mm-hmm. haven't watched it yet because it was mm-hmm. like literally released this morning. But I just thought that this was one of the best dive uh, drive episodes that that they have ever done. And a lot of it is due to I've known about those guys since the very beginning, and it was a lot of nostalgia. It's on Lemonation and High. I it's believe, on Lemonation, right? yeah. For for people who haven't watched it, I really I really would recommend it because it goes into a lot of a lot of aspects of. Um, you know, Lemonation's life in a pretty quick manner. And, you know, I never felt like it slowed down either. You know, their team play, his mm-hmm. his family life, uh, you know, the interactions between these, uh, you know, different things. And uh, I, I just thought that it was a, a very, you know, informative piece of work yeah. and, and brought up a lot of, uh, you know, good themes as well as, you know, takeaways for people. Uh, moving forward. I always like the slightly longer drives. This is the longest one I've seen. I thought it was 16 minutes. I was trying to watch it this morning, but then we had to come record this thing, so I'm (laughs) going to watch it right afterwards. There's been a few really good pieces of drive. I know Matt's one was really good. I was trying to think of another really good one. I really like GBMs for whatever reason Mm -hmm. uh, when he came over, but I can't wait to watch Lemonation because you know, we've been casting him since the beginning of that. So I think there's going to be a lot of cool nostalgia elements when I watch it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm very excited for it when you gave the high praise because Matt's was definitely my favorite. I like actually like the C9 one a fair bit with like on, um, on or that was duos. The Impact Radio. That was duos. Actually, different. that wasn't Drive. Uh, my mistake. But yeah, Matt Matt is definitely my uh, that my favorite one. I, I like the part of the aspect I like but when I'm watching Drive, for me, I want to know something that I could not have known from just watching the broadcast, right? And that I think is what is really cool about seeing these other pieces of content. Like, great, you know, he's a really good player. And if if they say if if it's just kind of the same things that you hear in an interview, like the Acadian one, it was good content, but don't get me wrong, I liked it less because I didn't feel like I learned something new uh, that I hadn't heard really in interviews and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, so maybe I don't know if this really has that, yeah, but the, that's really what I like to get. I like to get something I couldn't have gotten from broadcast. The reason I brought it up is because I thought it actually was, um, you know, kind of applicable to the other things that we were talking about with substitutions and mm-hmm. how difficult it is to, like, configure a team for success. Everyone's, you know, mind is blown that Team Liquid are throwing on this money and picking up all these players and can't seem to find, you know, a good a configuration to to stick with. Yeah. Um, but Lemonations, I thought, very, very quickly and very succinctly, like, gave a lot of insight into, you know, how important for the original Cloud9, you know, and Quantic, when, when, they, when they first yep. acquired and we all remember, the configuration of the players, you know, the relationships of those players, mm-hmm. and they even talk about how, even though some of the players didn't even like each other, it was so important, and they felt like a family, and they, like, you know, all the things that they worked through, um, I don't know. It just really hit home, especially since we have all, you know, been on teams and and yep. and played in in situations like Be that. Tough. I just think that uh, get out you there and watch it. But let, let's move on yeah. now. Enough tangents. Let's now that we're so old, Twitter questions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could do that. Or do you guys want to talk about who's going to get the second playoff by? Yeah, I, let's, uh, I think I think we should touch on that a bit because we didn't really talk about Omar God, uh, and and that's why I want to like at least just mm-hmm. touch on this because get that in there, has Zale. been start um, us off a, a pretty quick, I think, or. Pretty contested race, right? Immortal COG TSM going for both of them. We're mm-hmm. assuming Immortals is going to get it because they they're a win first. ahead and they have an easier schedule than the other two. And they have Smithy X at Smithy the jungle God. and CLG. God, Ole God. So, so do, do you now count CLG out? Are they are they not going to be able to do it? Like, do you guys think that this is going to be a, a strong CLG or is it like, oh, back to rebuilding phase? Like, give us some time. Blah blah blah. Yeah, really quick. Strength of schedule. CLG plays Envy, Phoenix One. Team Dignitas, and then TSM. It's mm-hmm. going to be the last day of the split. That could actually decide the buy. TSM plays FlyQuest, Envy, Phoenix One, and then CLG. I have a hard time seeing CLG drop any of those games before the CLG one. Before and then I one. think CLG might lose to Team Dignitas in there, and they both play Envy. Plus, it is the Omar God situation where he's been playing for a couple weeks and he still needs to scale up a little bit. So I put TSM as a front runner, just based off that substitution. I don't think they're, we've seen them with Omar God. Mm-hmm. They're not as, you know, they're not a first place team currently with Omar God. So I don't think it's going to happen overnight. And I, I give the, the edge to TSM. Yeah, I think it is, uh, you know, going to be a bit rough here at the very beginning. And even in CLG's releases, they talk about building into uh, the best team and building into, you know, being mm-hmm. being able to place first place at the end of playoffs. Um, it's they aren't really expecting an instant change uh, as well or an, or instant success with him. So 
Uh, I would definitely say that they have, you know, a lot more to work through. It's possible that they can still do it. You know, they can have that success uh, because so many of the other players have been so successful. As you said earlier, you know, um, with the Dardock pickup, it wasn't him carrying this lineup and he didn't, you know, change the face of this lineup. Mm -hmm. He kind of inspired and and brought that competitive spirit to the rest of them. And we've yeah. seen improvements from who he and, you know, all of the guys on CLG. So I still think that this is solidly, uh, you know, top of the pack team. As far as you know, running for that spot though, it's going to be rough. It's, it, I definitely agree. It's going to be tough, and and I think what makes it more tough is that this is the team that wants to win everything. This is the team that wants to be so competitive and and not just get to worlds, but compete at worlds, right? And now very close to worlds, they have made this sub, and the amount of pressure on Omar God to perform not tomorrow, not next week, like now, right, is is yeah. so high because. Uh, if if he has a bad rest of the split, if they have one bad playoff series, you know they could be out of worlds. They do not have a lot of championship points. Like they, there's not. I don't think a lot of time for them to improve uh, to be able to have that sort of run. Otherwise, it feels like your year is kind of gone because they didn't have a great spring split and they want to get to worlds. Mm -hmm. The playoff series is one thing because I think they had that bad playoff series yep. in spring, but they have a month until Omar mm -hmm. God's going to have to play in a playoff series. Five weeks if they get a playoff buy. So I think that is a pretty reasonable amount of time to get acquainted. And I can see why they would be okay with that going forward. So I think that's a little bit less pressure on Omar God. It's not like if they don't get a playoff buy, everything is over because they have to play Envy in the first round of the playoffs. I think I think they should He's be okay. He's still with a that rookie though, coming in, you know, like at the at the later half of a split, having to perform, not just we're expecting on a, a regional level, but if, you know, if they qualify for Worlds, mm -hmm. people are going to be expecting you know, that, and he'll have never done that. This will be his first playoffs. It was his first regular season LCS game. Like That's a pretty steep slope to climb. If COG goes 4-0, I know we've done a lot of tangents, <laughs> He's does new he Mike take Young. rookie of the split <laughs> away from Mike Young? <laughs> I don't know, man. No comment. <laughs> yeah, no comment. Twitter questions. Yep. Uh, number one Twitter question from Hobo Junior 20 How much do you think how old someone... Why was this that number 20. so sad before he was yeah. loving, the, you know, yeah. he's yeah. like 17, but now it's 20. 20. Yeah. How much not do a teenager you think anymore. It's all downhill how old someone is affects them getting into esports slash getting on a pro team? So age discrimination is basically this question in esports. Do you, do you think it exists? Oh, well, my first reaction to that would be um, the kind of themes that we we're talking about earlier of teams getting along with each other and mm -hmm. it, if you're just so much older than the rest of your team that you can't relate to these guys just as human beings and that automatically is going to make it more difficult i don't think that there is a tremendous um you know people always talk about slower reaction speeds or yeah. arthritis or you know whatever coming in we haven't seen huge age discrepancies mainly because i think you know generations older than us not as many people yeah you know there weren't i think or whatever but I think how much how old is someone has a fairly low impact on getting into esports or pro team. How good you are matters. And I think the age is a correlation rather than a causation because older people have less disposable time to play league, generally speaking, so they're not going to be good enough to make it on a pro teams. If people that are 23 years old played as much as someone who's 19, I think you'd see just as many 23-year-olds having their rookie split. But that's just not the way life works right now. So yeah. you see younger guys start. My, my basic thing with this is uh, if you're much older, yes, it affects it, but should it affect it and will affect it in the future? I don't think so, um, because I'm I'm definitely of the belief that getting older does not necessarily mean you you get worse. It just means that people don't have the time to commit, like you said, mm -hmm. or want other things from their life. And up to this point, esports has not been that solid career that you can be like, okay, well, I could raise a family on this, right? Like I'm I'm set. It has not been there. And as it develops, and as those salaries go up, and as there's more stability, I think it can be that. Like you look at fighting games, one of the most like mechanically challenging types of, of esports that there are, Tokido just won Evo, he's 32, right? Like this is, that's the first time he's won Evo, I do believe. And uh, mm -hmm. that's like peaking at, at 32, right? This is, this is not an 18 year old kid. Yep. You can perform at that level, but people need to have this job security and the, the, the cushion there to be able to continue doing it for that long. And once they do, I think we'll see the players getting older and older. Definitely as they're playing. Agree. Go after your dreams, become a league pro. Isaac, you got there you this. Go. Uh, next question, forecast winner with any returning to a tank meta, what 
tank countering champions could we start seeing in the LCS that we wouldn't see otherwise? Ergo. Trundle. I've been waiting <laughs> for Trundle. I think that needs to be in there. I think Trundle, is, uh, the ultimate alone, is so good. We used to see Trundle support because... Um, I think he's already been in pro play. Yeah, yeah. but I mean in LCS. But really returning him. to the scene as yeah. in becoming and, medical. And even just regionally, right? Like I think I think he's been in LCK and some other regions and stuff, but... um. I think if you're playing, if you're willing to play Braum, if you're willing to play Tom Kench, if you're willing to play all that stuff, you can even play Trundle support. And then great, they have a Maokai top. We spent the whole game getting tanky. Well, you just essentially like gave a last whisper and a void staff to your whole team when you pressed R and made yourself much more tanky. Yeah. So I think Trundle needs to get it back in there. Yeah, Trundle's a. I keep a very close tab on the win rates of jungle champions, mm -hmm. and like he spiked up a couple of weeks ago with all the tanks. So you know, it's a very, it's like the counter to tanks, and always yeah. has been because his ultimate. Trundle and Nasijuani, by the way, is hilarious because Trundle's ultimate steals a percentage of armor and magic resistance. Oh God, does it work on the passive? Yes. Yeah. So when Sejuani loses the passive, Trundle's still stealing the same flat amount of armor oh and MR, God. and Sejuani can go negative. So the same thing works with Ramos's defensive ball curl back with like wow. giving armor and MR. Yeah. So it's stupid. Yeah. Because you have like 600 armor. Anyway, Trundle is good. I think Azir, depending on how good adaptive helm is. for Malzahar too. But like Malzahar, Malzahar would be another one. Uh, Gilio Lal, will coaches ever be able to communicate with players in game? Most sports allow some communication during game. Why not league? I I don't know. I mean, I mean, I think that's I this is just like a super opinion based thing. So if if, in my opinion, the goal is to have the highest level of play in every game, then coaches probably should be able to, right? Because I do think it can up play, but it also devalues some of the shot calling and those skills that we have prioritized so heavily. So I yeah. don't think it actually ever happens, but um, I think it would raise the level, like the average level, right? Because you could have someone who's awful at the game but knows what you're supposed to do. And even just giving reminders like, hey, you need to build this item next. You need to do this. Like that yeah. stuff could be useful. I don't like yeah, it. I have a notepad. He's like taking war timers down. He's telling them. I just, I feel like it detracts too much from the way we think the game is supposed to be played. Yeah, I, I don't think that it would be a good direction to go in. I know I know some people have been like, oh, yeah, but you know, then you can have just the shot caller guy. But I always I feel like you know League of Legends is already such a you know decision make based game like it, this is not a, like you said a, a fighting game right this mm -hmm. is not a, a game where oh your your mechanics you need to be at a, a certain level but so much of it is about decision making and it, this is a tactical game so if you also introduce a coach like that then I wouldn't want to see players go more towards the oh great I can just you know nothing about the game anymore and mm -hmm. just kind of you know mindlessly play my lane and then he'll tell me what to do for the rest of it. I yeah. feel like it does take away an, a, a, one aspect, especially when I feel like so much of league, like the the great players, has been built up like the shot calling of these players. And you know you think about mm -hmm. like some of the most famous players, like guys like High, they talk about shot calling all the time. Aframu, and there's like you know even uh, smoothly coming up now, people talk a lot about him and impact and so on and so forth. Right? There's a lot of players, so it would certainly. Uh, immediately devalue a skill that has been highly prioritized throughout the professional league uh, scene. So I don't think it should come in, but yeah. it, it would be a different skill set that is being tested if it does. All right, thank you for the questions. That will do it for this episode of The Dive. Reminder that we're released every Wednesday on YouTube and various podcast platforms. Search for The Dive, LOL. Yeah, we're also getting a bunch of Twitter questions. Keep them coming. Uh, me and Dale, uh, chats, hashtag, any of those tags will we'll get seen. Hashtag, hashtag. Also, I didn't welcome you back, Kobe, so welcome back to Dive. It was good it's to have late. you. I welcomed it's him back. You're dead to me. You've been that, welcome. That welcomed me back the, you know, the moment I walked in. Well, you were welcome whether <laughs> you want to be or not. And also remember to tune into the NALCS on Friday, 3 p.m. Pacific. Phoenix One taking on Echo Fox. Someone's going to win the game. Someone we'll has to. there. Thanks, Bill. So.